HMP. Welcome to Talk the Talk. I'm Bill Newman. And I'm Buzz Eisenberg. And we will be joined in just a few moments by Ciara Fagali, who is a indie rock star who will be performing at First Night. And we want you to hear her. If you've heard her music, you're definitely staying. And if you haven't, you definitely want to stay and listen to this as well. She will be at Memorial Hall, 7 o'clock on First Night. First, I would like to turn to Peter McQuillan who is the assistant producer at the Northampton Arts Council and has enormous responsibilities for First Night. So before we hear from Keisha Ciara, let's hear from Peter. Tell us about First Night. Well, good morning, Bill. Um, we are excited for First Night Northampton 2024. It's a Northampton signature event. happens once a year on New Year's Eve. It's a whole day of festivities all over downtown Northampton beginning at noon. We got the circus in town, a show circus studio at Academy of Music, and it goes all the way up until midnight with over 114 performances. We have a ball ceremony and dance party in the middle of the street at midnight. And uh, yeah, there's tons of performances, music, theater, a bunch of great stuff for kids all throughout the day. Fireworks at 6.15? We got the fireworks at 6.15. 15, those are free for everyone, so even if you don't have a first night button, you can come into town, check out the fireworks, and the same goes for the ball and uh, DJ Jant's party at midnight. The ball, Northampton's version of the ball and Times Square falling here in Northampton, because we are optimistic the ball, the earth, rises. Yes, we raise the ball. (laughs) We raise the earth. We raise the... (laughs) It's true, yeah. Got to keep it optimistic, and uh, you know... The Hotel Northampton loves their ball. It's covered in lights, and it's shaped like planet Earth, and it rises into the sky, and yeah, everyone cheers and dances. It's a pretty special moment. Yes, it inspired me one, one, one New Year's Eve when I was announcing this and said, you know, people like the countdown. And I said, but the ball's going up, so let's have a count up. We'll count up <laughs> to 12, <laughs> and, and the ball will rise, and all sorts of things will happen. So music, art, all sorts of performances – for kids and adults, want to tell us about the different buttons because there's one button if you just want to be with the kids uh, up till the six o'clock hour, give yeah. or take, and then the fireworks. And then there's an all day adult button as well. Tell us about that if you would, please. Yeah, we have phone. a few different options for people and families who want to come throughout the day. So, first off, everyone can check it out at firstnightnorthampton.org/slash buttons. Um, we have adult buttons that are good all day long. We have kids buttons that are good for kids all day long. And then we have adult day only. If you're an adult just going with your kids and you want to just check out uh, before 6 and leave after the fireworks, there is a discounted button for that. Um, again, go to firstnightnorthampton.org slash buttons. There are places all around the valley, pretty much in every town, that you can go and buy buttons um, in person leading up to the event. And then... Uh, day of our headquarters and box office is at Thorns Marketplace. I should t- tell you, Peter, though, that my button from last uh, first night uh, somehow was still on my winter coat when I took it out again, uh, you know, just a month or so ago, right? <laughs> and so it says adult, and I'm wearing this jacket around town with this button that says adult. And people said, what's that? And I said, well, really, it's aspirational. That's what, what, what I'm trying to get to. So buttons are available where and for how much? Uh, Firstnightnorthampton.org. Uh, the cheapest is $8. The most expensive it'll be is $20. The rates vary in between. You can see online at firstnightnorthampton.org buttons. And there's a discount now. 
Yep. Um, they are about $2 cheaper if you buy them uh, leading up to the event. Um, and then they will, the adult all day will go up to $20 um, if you buy on the, the day, day, of. day yeah. of. But right. it's $16 beforehand. There's a $10 special price for uh, senior citizens. Kids are eight, and adults day only are $10. And these are available. Online or there are venues where we can go pick them up in town. Yep, firstnightnorthampton.org, uh, Greenfield Savings Bank's locations in Amherst and Conway. You can get it at uh, Bank ESB in East Hampton, Cooper's Corners in Florence, World Eye Bookstore in, in Greenfields, uh, A to Z in Northampton, Cedar Chest Downtown Sounds, Hotel Northampton, and State Street Fruit Store. Um, but yeah, if you have a Greenfield Savings Bank location in your town, that's probably the most reliable source. Totally cool. Let's turn, if we might, to indie rock musician and star, uh, Ciara Fagala. You are from Western, what, Western, you're now in Western Massachusetts. Uh, you were inspired to move here because of the scenery? <laughs> um, sort of, yeah. I grew up in the Hudson Valley, um, kind of in the New Paltz, Kingston area, and lived there for a very long time. And yeah, through a various like tunnel of events, ended up in Western Mass, and um, yeah, have just kind of been loving it ever since. And your music is—it's it, just so cool. But I asked you before we went on how you would like like to be described, mm -hmm. and you said as an indie rock musician, which means what really? Oh boy! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I think the. Um, I think the world of, you know, sub-genres and classifications, it, you know, we can kind of get into the weeds talking about that. I feel like I could give a TED Talk on the sort of intricacies of that whole thing. But I think ultimately it's like what I sort of identify with. Um, I, I'm a very feelings-based musician, so I, I usually go for, you know, the the feeling of something rather than like whatever genre classification and you know so i think indie rock to me kind of encompasses it encompasses a lot but uh it feels it feels appropriate now you will listen before i leave this for uh, i come back and give us your ted talk i really want to hear that <laughs> song. But okay for, but today careful what you wish for <laughs> <laughs> today i'd love to have you share with all of us uh some of your music again uh ciara will be playing at and performing at Memorial Hall, 7 o'clock on first night, 7 o'clock on first night. It's going to be really special. What can you play for us today? Uh, I will play a song called Heat of the Night. Hopefully this will warm everybody up in the winter. <laughs> Thank you. 
Sierra Fregala. That's amazing music. Do you write most of what you perform, I mean, the, your your compositions, or do you do some covers? All of it. No, yeah. co no covers. <laughs> um, I I do do a few covers. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's usually I would say it's like ninety percent. Okay. Sierra stuff. So again, uh, uh, Sierra will be performing at Memorial Hall on first night at seven o'clock. Memorial Hall, of course, right in the heart of downtown Northampton. Uh, I, I apologize in advance for this question, but uh, everyone looks young to Buzz and me. So uh, <laughs> how old are you and how long have you been performing? Um, I, uh, I'm in my late 20s. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been playing music since I was very young. Um, since I was probably like six or seven, I watched a Peter Gabriel live concert VHS and Pretty much from then on, knew I like wanted to be a musician. <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, I, I've been touring and playing shows for the last like ten years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And how to put this? Um, did music become the central focus of your life growing up, or was, or were you how to put this more well-rounded? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think in a lot of ways it did. I was definitely a kid who was interested in a lot. Of different things and um, but I think as those different interest interests shifted music was kind of always the thing that I kept on coming back to um, like I could never get distracted enough to just forget about music altogether so it was always kind of there and did you become involved with this uh, how to put this this quagmire of, of recording and playing and albums and all of that was that part of something you had to deal with and overcome um meaning like the anxiety of doing yeah, all I mean, of that and, I mean, and, and you know not only where you'll be performing and who you'll be performing with but uh how to record and where to do it and contracts and all that sort of thing yeah yeah totally I mean I I'm a you know I'm, I'm a very true like independent musician in the sense that I I do a lot of the sort of business side of things myself and um, I do have help in in some regards, but um, it's largely just kind of been a small operation for me. And so, yeah, but I think I'm always learning and I'm, I'm always like kind of dealing with those waves um, because the industry keeps on changing. And do you always perform on your own or do you sometimes perform with others or with a band? Um, yeah, I, I tour a lot with with a band. Um, but lately, for the last like six months, I've been I've been pretty into playing some solo shows, and you know that's how I started out, and so it, it kind of feels nice to get back to those basics in a way, and you know, be like, okay, we we did it with a band, but now how can we do it with just one person? So. Have you performed at first night before? Before? I haven't actually. No. Your inaugural yeah. first night. Oh, we first are time. First time. First night. We are so lucky. I am. I'm super excited. Yeah. Again, Ciara uh, Fagala will be at Memorial Hall 7 o'clock on first night. Want to play us out a little bit? Can you play something? Yeah, yeah, sure. Would appreciate that. Sure, Again, definitely. 7 o'clock, Memorial Hall, first night. It's going to be an amazing performance. It's going to be an amazing day and night. Go get your button and go listen to Ciara. You will do yourself a great favor. You are in for a total treat. Just sitting and watching the cars go 
will be at Memorial Hall, 7 o'clock on first night. Do yourself this great favor. Go see her. Come to first night. Buy your button. It's going to be an amazing day and night. We thank you, Peter McClellan, for bringing Ciara with you and having her with us today. Break, you, a, break a leg. Thank it's going to be a fabulous me. concert, and it's going to be a great day. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. Miss an episode of Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg? Want to hear the stories and perspectives of local business leaders? Click on podcasts at whmp.com. Talk the Talk, Western Mass Business Show, Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, The Hustler Files, Panorama, and more. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. The only live and local talk in the Valley for the Valley. whmp.com. The Daily Hampshire Gazette, the Pioneer Valley's newspaper covering Holyoke to Deerfield and Belchertown to the Hilltowns, was awarded New England Newspaper of the Year for their local news coverage. Home delivered six days a week and online 24-7. Try their digital-only subscription options and stay connected with your community wherever you are. Pick up a copy on newsstands, subscribe, or visit gazettenet.com. The Daily Hampshire Gazette, covering the Pioneer Valley since 1786. What's cooking at River Valley Co-op? Here's avid eater, grocery shopper, and co-op member, Bill Newman. The co-op kitchen is always cooking. Get ready to go meals, sandwiches, salads, pizza, burritos. Order sandwich platters or anything platters for lunchtime, party time, or anytime. You like to bake? The co-op has all your baking essentials, like ground up flour and grains, stone milled in Holyoke. Put a little lovin' in the oven, bread and brownies, cakes and cookies. Let your creative inspiration flow. 
River Valley Co-op, wild about local. Everyone is welcome. The Literacy Project offers free classes for adults to improve their skills and prepare for the GED or ISET exams. We offer classes in Northampton, Amherst, Ware, Greenfield, and Orange. Plus, we now offer a class in East Hampton. For more information, call 413-584-6755 or check us out at www.literacyproject.org. If you want to learn, the Literacy Project is the place for you. Welcome back to Talk the Talk. We are joined by Florence-based Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Larry Hutt. We love Larry, and we love his segment here on the show, Cool Films with Larry Hutt. He is, of course, a member of the Academy and a voting member of the Academy for the best films of 2023, and therefore he gets to see hundreds of them. Immerse myself. And say again? I, I immerse myself in these films. I swim through these films. <laughs> okay, so what do you have for us today, Larry Hunt? Well, first let me tell you that the shortlists have come out. Oh, okay, what is the shortlist? I can't contain myself. There are 15 films, uh, the long documentaries, that means they're 40 minutes or more, and there are 15 of the short, that means they're 39 minutes or less. And what does it mean to be on the short list? It means that... Which it doesn't sound all that short. 15 films? No, and I wish it were shorter because it's a big commitment to watch all of them. <clears throat> there are several hundred people in the documentary committee, the virtual documentary committee for the Academy Awards. And we each are assigned about 50, 60 films to watch. And we score them, 50 or 60 each, of the short and the long. And that over a six, seven month period, they chain us to our televisions and we just <laughs> sit there for hours on end. And we score them and we send those into Price Waterhouse and their computer analyzes them and runs the Price Waterhouse, the accounting is the firm. Account, the famous accounting firm. And they come up with this ranked choice voting thing and they get the top 15. They don't put them in any order, they're just in alphabetical order. And then some of them, when, some of them I have seen. Um, and many of them I haven't because of the nature of the voting. So this time, out of 15, I'd seen five. That leaves me 10 two-hour films that I need to watch uh, by sometime in early February. So your job is to watch movies. Is there, is there an opening and where I we get, can I get, apply I, for this job? I get, I, get, I, get, I get paid by the minute. <laughs> <laughs> free, free popcorn. Um, it is, it is arduous work, and I make the commitment to do it only because of this radio show. Because if I didn't, <laughs> if I didn't have some place to talk about it, why bother? <laughs> well, lucky us. Uh, but Larry Hott, here's a question I have. There's different genres of documentaries. Some of them might be that's more comedic. That's pronounced genres in, in the film world. We pronounce that genres, but that's okay. <laughs> there are genres. There's several genres. <laughs> yes. um, no, but seriously, I mean... Uh, they're just all lumped together. So one might be very, you know, sort of science illuminating and some might be comedic and some might be what? Worthless. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. Uh, and we get some of the most horrible films because people will pay a lot of money to go through the process because they have this lure, the gold ring of the Academy Award nomination or, or the Oscar. So some people are completely clueless about the kind of films that are going to make it through. Uh, 
Uh, in terms of the genres, the big genre is that they're nonfiction. How is that defined? Well, that gets very murky, and there are some rules about it, but basically the film is supposed to be out re about reality. Right? You're not supposed to make up these stories, but within these films, there's a lot of stuff that's made up. Years ago, there was a big controversy in a civil rights film called The Children's March, about the ch famous Children's March in, I think, Birmingham in the, in, the, in the 60s. And the filmmakers so cleverly made archival footage, fake archival footage, that, and then did not tell anybody that the footage had been faked. That, and then they, they, they uh, won the Academy Award. And then this huge controversy. If only they had said reenactment on the footage. Well, this struck home for me because years ago, we had made a, a, a short archival piece in a film about the history of tuberculosis, uh, about how blankets had to be folded. It was a very funny, a humorous piece. And we recreated, the, uh, with using black and white film, the look of a 1930s instructional film. And after the film was done and had been out for many years, I got a call from a librarian saying, oh, could you tell us where you got that clip? Uh, somebody's been asking us where they got, they'd like to find the original. And I said, oh, well, you know, we just did it ourselves. She said, what? You didn't tell people? She said, you know, 100 years from now, people are going to be looking at this film and thinking that was real. Well, lo and behold, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, there were articles in the paper about what a huge problem this has become. Because of AI. Because of AI. And I actually did a... a artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence. In, in 2011, I did a, a TEDx, it's a Ted Jr. talk, about why reenactments are safer for documentary film than archives. But going, going back to uh, Brady and, and uh, Kappa, other famous photographers who f faked their images. So many of the Civil War images that we've seen on, on photographs were actually arranged to make the composition better. The bodies were moved, cannonballs were moved. So you can't trust any of these images. But when you put reenactments in a film or animation cartoons, you know they're not real. You know, it's, it's just supposed to evoc be evocative of the, of the time. So that's a little interesting contradiction. When you make something up in a documentary film, a history film, it's actually more likely to be accurate than an image that looks accurate. We are speaking with Florence based Emmy Award-winning filmmaker. The real Larry Hatt. That's really oh, well, you, his you, voice. You, you, listen, it's on radio. You don't know who I am. This could be a composite. <laughs> it could be. And when we come back, we'll let you know whether it is. We'll also have a recommendation for you from Larry Hyde. I have to say, this is a much better looking voice. We'll be right back. <laughs> this is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Holyoke Superintendent and State-Appointed Receiver Anthony Soto is calling for a phased approach to returning the school district to local control. After poor graduation rates and low standardized test scores led the state to take over the district eight years ago, critics have said that little has been done that could not have been accomplished by local leaders given adequate resources. According to the Gazette, graduation rates have increased by nearly 15 points since receivership began. Mayor Josh Garcia has expressed support for ending the state receivership. Has the state done anything different than what we could have done here locally to improve outcomes? No. And, and that's currently the debate at a lot of tables today. In September, the school committee also voted unanimously to petition the state to return the district to local control. Hampshire probate and family court register Michael J. Carey is retiring January 16th. Carey, who has served for 11 years, announced plans to step down this week in the middle of his second six-year term overseeing the court. 
Kerry was first elected as register in a special election in 2012 to fill a vacancy left when David Sullivan, the previous register, won election as Northwestern District Attorney. Kerry has since been reelected to six-year terms in 2014 and 2020. Changes are coming in 2024 to the hunting regulations. Archery season for deer and wild turkey will be opening two weeks earlier in Western Mass, aligning the season with the rest of the state. Massachusetts has also joined the Wildlife Violators Compact, which automatically suspends a Massachusetts hunting license if it has already been suspended in another state within the compact. For today, it'll be cloudy with showers, mild highs 46 to 50. Tonight, cloudy chance for showers, areas of patchy fog, overnight lows 36 to 40. And they'll for Friday, cloudy chance for showers, highs in the low to mid 40s. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Adam Stremko on 101.5 WHMP. Every day, financial ads claiming to be different from the competition. Are they? I'm Francis Rayum, the money doctor, and I'm about to make a bold statement. I believe the thing to focus on isn't their uniqueness, it's yours. No one has the same financial situation or needs as you, and no one can help us help you better than you. But the truth is, when it comes to managing money, most of us are not as successful as we'd like to be. No matter how focused we are, it's almost impossible to separate emotion, and being in a relationship can further compound the issue. That's why I developed Hug Your Money. Financial coaching, coupled with online software and tools to empower you to manage money wisely. We guide you every step of the way to resolve immediate issues and plan for your financial future with modeling scenarios. So whether it's debt, budget, retirement planning, or a financial crisis, having a Hug Coach in your corner is like having a new best financial friend. Hug Your Money is as unique as you are. In fact, it's patented. Visit HugYourMoney.com. Sam the Minuteman is once again hosting his rockin' New Year's Eve party on Saturday, December 30th as the UMass men's basketball team takes on Siena at 1 p.m. Young UMass fans can enjoy poster making on the concourse, a photo booth, a halftime ball drop, and post-game layups on the court. Youth tickets for the game are just 5 bucks. Bring in the new year a day early with Massachusetts men's basketball by visiting umassathletics.com slash tickets. Go you! The Inuit catch their own and hang it in the sun to dry. New Yorkers have it smoked on bagels over the Sunday Times. When you order salmon at Paul and Elizabeth's restaurant, it's Faroe Island salmon. You know where the Faroe Islands are, halfway between Iceland and Norway. The ocean waters are clean and Arctic cold. Try Paul and Elizabeth's Faroe Island salmon with miso scallion butter. Order your salmon scampi. Add grilled salmon to any of Paul and Elizabeth's salads. There are so many ways to have salmon at Paul and Elizabeth's. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP. We continue our conversation with Florence-based Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Larry Hutt who has for us some recommendations of films we can watch over this upcoming long holiday weekend. Yes? One of the pleasures of watching all these films for the Academy Awards and for this radio show is unexpected pairings. You know, like when you have a great wine and it goes with a a good piece of meat or fish and you say, what a surprise. Well, once in a while I find two films that go together that I would never expect to be a good combination. One of these films is called Apollonia, Apollonia, and the other one is called batata. Now, I didn't know what batata meant until I looked it up afterwards. And I don't know what Apollonia means. So and Apollonia, we're all, we're so great. I'll tell you, Apollonia is a woman's name. Batata means potato. 
in many, many languages, potato, potato, you know. For, for potato, I, just, for I just learned it in Russian last week. It all, it all, all, it all the words for potato seem to say, sound the same. Um, the two films that go together are both films that follow one character for 13 years. One of them is called Apollonia, Apollonia by Leah Globe, who is a Danish filmmaker. And when she was a young college kid, she had a film assignment to do a portrait of somebody. So living in her neighborhood is this woman named Apollonia who wants to be an artist. Neighborhood where? In, in Denmark. Okay. Over the years, as she, she does her school assignment, but she's fascinated with wo this woman, and she follows her to Paris. The family originally were refugees from Belarus. And she decides that this woman is so compelling. She ends up following her for 13 years. Ups and downs of her life, her parents divorcing. The theater where she's been raised, her parents own a theater, of course, burns down. She moves to New York. She moves to L.A. All kinds of things are happening to this woman. And she's having all these questions about what she's going to do with her life. Is she going to have children or whatever? And this is all by consent? This woman yes. is being filmed for 13 years? Yes, 13 years and, and she is intriguing. She is compelling. So you understand why the filmmaker <coughs> stays with her. Okay, so I watched this film, and then I watched what I think is going to be... You like this film? I love this film. Apollonia, Apollonia. Okay, it's as compelling as the filmmaker thinks it is. <coughs> Excuse me. Then <coughs> my next film on my list is Batata. Batata is a film about a woman named Maria who is a Syrian refugee... She doesn't start off as a refugee. She starts off as a migrant. She moves to Lebanon every season to work on a potato farm run by this avuncular man named Musa. He is Armenian. He's Christian. She's an Arab. She's a Muslim. Her father is his best friend. And every year they go and they harvest potatoes. And they live in these little shacks that they build. Then the Syrian war happens. The Arabs bring. They can't go home to Syria. The filmmaker comes back every year to check in on Maria. And she's living where? She's living in a shack <laughs> in a refugee camp on the edge of a potato field. Where? In Lebanon. Okay. Sorry, I didn't say Le Lebanon. Lebanon has a big issue with Syrian refugees. Uh, they have all kinds of battles going on and, and assassinations going on, and there's all this political turmoil. But throughout it all, this guy, Musa, who owns a potato farm, takes in these refugees he is their father, their uncle. He cares for the children, drives them around in a truck. You've never met a nicer guy. And every year, the filmmaker's coming back and checking in on him. And I'm thinking, wait a second, I just saw this film. This is a film like Apollonia, Apollonia, where the filmmaker comes in and checks in every year with her artist. And here is this filmmaker coming to Lebanon from Canada. This time, it's a Canadian filmmaker. Uh, I should name the filmmakers here. The filmmaker is Nora Kavorkian. Uh, she, her, by her name, I'd imagine she's Armenian, and maybe that's her connection with Musa, the Armenian farmer. So she comes in from Canada every year to check in. I'll give you one example. Yeah, and when I say check in, what well, that means. Yeah, I want to hear that, and I want to ask you, mm -hmm. is there hope in this film every year, like next year in Jerusalem, next year at home instead yes, of always here? Yes, they always want to be able to go back to Syria. They sing songs about their towns. They, they have weddings. They are, there's, there's births, there's, uh, there's naming ceremonies for the kids. They do everything they can. An abject poverty. While Musa, the farmer 
who owns the farm is trying to help them. But because of the wars that are going on in the region, the market for potatoes has dropped. And he can't, he barely has enough money to support himself, but he does everything he can to support them. And then halfway through the film, he dies from the stress. And it's one of those things with a central character. It's like in a fiction film, when a central character dies early on, you say, wait, what, what happened, <laughs> right? But it's always in reference to him, always in reference to Musa. Back to Apollonia, Apollonia, the artist in France, and her father dies, right? Uh, who had been part of the rock of her life. Um, but she's having challenges, you know, can she make it through the Beaux-Arts program? Will she ever become a successful artist? So here she's living this kind of uh, avant-garde life in the, uh, the art communities of the West. But somehow there's a connection between her and this woman, Maria. And what's the connection? Well, one is that they sacrifice their lives, one for her art, one for her family. So Maria never marries. And in that culture, not to marry. Oh, that's a terrible embarrassment and shame. But for Apollonia, Apollonia, I always feel like I have to say it twice because that's the name of the film, Apollonia, Apollonia. There's also great pressure on her to settle down and have a family. Um, at one point, she's just faced with, am I going to go on forever as a starving artist? As a man, she's wonderfully gorgeous and uh, uh, attractive, magnetic woman. So you know, she's got boyfriends all around her, buzzing around her. So you have these two women and so I'm watching these two films that, on the surface, are completely unrelated. And I start, of course, to think, as a filmmaker, how do you follow somebody for 13 years? Now, I did a couple of films that went on for eight years. One called Imagining Robert, where I followed a family for seven years, but they lived two, three hours away. Here are filmmakers, one's coming from Denmark to Paris and then New York and other places for 13 years. The other one lives in Canada. Is flying to, to uh, a war region <laughs> and filming uh, sometimes for uh, what looks like for months. <laughs> in the uh, film Batata, the one about the woman in the potato fields, there is a, uh, usually a card will come up and say 2015, 2016. One time it comes up says 2017, and there's all of a minute of scenes, and then it goes on. I said, she came there, she flew over there, and did all this filming and boiled it down to a minute. Now that shows me that she's a good filmmaker because she knows that the film comes first and not showing how much effort she put into it. And she might have filmed hours to, ta to I mean. get that minute. Exactly, exactly. And some filmmakers think, well, I have to put more on the screen because I've spent so much time doing it. Her job as a filmmaker is to make the best film possible, and okay. she did. So these two films, Apollonia, Apollonia, and Patata, yeah. Why are they so gripping? Why are they so good? Why are they so moving? Because they have a central character who has a story. And you can follow that and you're on your edge of your seat. What is going to happen to this person that I now know and like? right? And things are changing all around them. And these are real things, things that you can identify with. You can identify with, with losing a, a parent or losing somebody who is like a parent to you. You can identify with deciding, am I going to have a family or not? Can I afford to have? Can I afford to have children? You can identify. Look at us right now, like the world around us. It's a dangerous place. Is this war going to affect us? You know, can can we survive? I just want to point out this doesn't go to your point, but uh, I knew in Apollonia once. Apollonia means uh, a, a woman who is following Apollo, who was the god of arts 
and theater. And it's so interesting to me that, number one, they named her Apollonia, and number two, that she ended up in, a th- in the arts and the theater. And she was born and raised, literally born in the theater, raised in the theater, and tries to hold on to this theater as long as she can. That's a subplot, you know, because she can't pay the rent on the theater. Right. Thank you. You know, it's funny. I meant to look up what Apollonia meant before. That's what it is. It's a woman who follows Apollo. Makes all, so I always feel like I said this is, you know, it's a film about Apollonia called Apollonia, Apollonia, and a film called Batata, Batata. Hey, it's Greek to me. <laughs> Available where are Okay, well, these films are, are submitted, one from Canada, um, one uh, from uh, Denmark, and they are on various platforms, but uh, I don't think that they're available for free. I think you have to pay $3.99 to see them. $3.99 sounds like $3.99. I think it's well worth it. You recommend them both, Apollonia and Apollonia? Yes. Invest, seriously, four hours. Watch both of these films back-to-back. If you have a documentary club, these are the films to watch. Larry Hott, thank you so very much. This has been Cool Films with Larry Hott on Talk the Talk. We'll be right back with Have Faith. More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. I'm Lisa Riley. Join me every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on WHMP as we share stories that shine a light on justice-involved individuals or just underdogs in the game of life, their struggles, their successes, and the many resources and opportunities available for those who are hustling to carve a new path and prove that failure isn't final. So unlock your future, rewrite your story. This is The Hustler Files. Reading is one of life's great pleasures. Having a community bookstore makes it even better. Broadside Bookshop is a community-minded, woman-owned, independent bookstore in downtown Northampton, where you can browse to your heart's content. For book lovers, Broadside is home away from home. You can order virtually any book on the Broadside website and pick it up at the store or have it sent to your door. If you love books, you'll love Broadside Bookshop. Don't go through another year with that awful joint pain. Call QC Kinetics right now and make 2024 the year you're back to living a normal life again. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative medicine. These are all natural treatments that can repair and restore that damaged tissue, giving you pain-free movement again. QC Kinetics has tens of thousands of satisfied patients around the country, people who had knee pain, back pain, shoulder pain, who were able to get lasting relief with no surgery, no drugs, and no downtime. If you have pain from an old injury or pain associated with arthritis, you need to check this out. The future of medicine is here. Regenerative treatments from QC Kinetics. Make the call now so you can get the most out of 2024. Get back to doing what you love. And don't forget, you can use your HSA and FSA funds. Call QC Kinetics today for a free consultation. Just call 413-992-5450. That's 413-992-5450. 413-992-5450. Welcome to our Have Faith segment. Our very special reverend or rabbi or imam this, this week, this day, is Carol Bull, who is the pastor at the United Church of Ware. Pastor Carol Bull, thank you so much for being with us. I want to ask you at this time of year, 
Christmas and the solstice and the new year in Kwanzaa. What is it that you want to convey to others in the community and to your congregation? Yeah, so, um, you know, this, of course, is uh, traditionally a time of light during dark times, uh, at least in the Northeast here. But I think um, today I'm focusing a little bit on poetry because I believe the arts, uh, someone said, I don't know who this was, but they said, art comes from the place where you dream. And um, I love that quote because I think uh, if any, even people who are, you know, don't believe in a particular spiritual path, they do get that art comes from another place, uh, through us. Um, You know, what causes the painter to put a particular color on the canvas, for instance? And some of that, of course, is individual art and people's talents, but some of it is mysterious. So I try to imbue a sense of hope in my community during this time, uh, both by speaking the truth and what I believe uh, is kind of the center of my life, nonviolence and thought, word, and deed, and also sharing poems with them and with the community today. And did you want to share some poetry with us today? Yes, I have two uh, short pieces. Um, The first is from Aharon Shabtay, who was born in Tel Aviv, grew up on a kibbutz, Um, and I just, this is a longer poem, so go on, you can Google Poetry Foundation if you want to see the whole thing, but I'm just, I just picked out two stanzas that, stanzas that really spoke to me today, uh, and they, they fit together, but uh, the whole poem is better, so I'll just read these two stanzas. The heart dies without space for love without a moral horizon. Think of it then as a bird trapped in a box. My heart goes out with love to those beyond the fence. Only toward them can one really advance, that is, make progress. Without them, I feel I'm half a person. Later on in the poem, the Arab groom from Gaza, too, will extend to my daughter a dress on which is embroidered the land redeemed from apartheid's curse, our land as a whole, belonging equally to all of its offspring. And then he'll lift the veil from her face and say to her, and now I take you to be my wife, Lotem Abdel Shafi. Well, that is a beautiful and evocative piece. Um, Again, the the, the poet is who? Uh, Aharon Shabtay, A-H-A-R-O-N-S-H-A-B-T-A-I, famous in Israel, poet. And the second poem you wish to share with us? Yes. And last uh, month I shared a piece from this book called Things You May Find Hidden in My Ear by Tos 
by Mosab Abu Toha. And this poem is uh, called Displaced. And it's in memory of Edward Said. Uh, people may know the Palestinian-American academic, political activist, and literary critic. And I just want to say the most famous quote of, of his is this, and I think it's applicable to our day. Nothing, in my view, is more reprehensible than those habits of mind in the intellectual that induce avoidance that characteristic turning away from a difficult and principled position, which you know to be the right one, but which you decide not to take. All right, so that's from Saeed, and in memory of him, this poem is written by Toha, uh, Displaced. Reverend Carol Bull, I'd like to return to where you started. You were talking about the spiritual source of the arts mm. and why that is important mm -hmm. during this time of the mm -hmm. year. Could you elaborate mm -hmm. on that? Yeah, I mean, I I was um, sitting with a half, a half hopeless group of individuals around the holidays in a studio at Smith watching a dance performance by a group that I am connected with. And... Um, you know, I, I felt the half-hopefulness of the people sitting in that audience. And by the end of the performance, we were all transformed. Um, so we watched people amazingly moving their bodies through time and through space with love, hope, energy, um, sustenance. You know, they just brought us the best of, of their dance. And... Um, the whole, again, people were on their feet afterwards. You know, we had gone from half hopeless to once again hopeful. So that, to me, that's what art does. And we all like different types of art. You know, that might have not been somebody else's choice of the night. But I try to go to things that I'm not used to going to uh, because, you know, out of our comfort zone is a good place to be. And... um and so, you know, where does that come? On the one hand, it comes from the dancers. On the other hand, it comes from the director of the dancers. And on the other hand, it comes from from energy and inspiration that does, I don't believe, originates in the human. Reverend Carol Ball, how do you reconcile this inspiration that you receive and internalize from art and from performances with the horrors of what the content of the, 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 those, po those poems evoke, which is what's happening in Gaza today. How, mm -hmm. do, how do you personally mm -hmm. do that? Yeah, well, I, I struggle like, like we all do with that. Um, you know, the world has never been the place I wanted it to be, and yet I am increasingly needing to accept it as it is, as it is while we work for justice and, and in every moment that we can. Uh, and I want to read the second poem, if I might, the, the one by Toha, uh, which is called Displaced. And, and I think when, when we get to the bottom of that poem, you'll, you'll, it's a short poem, but we can follow up on your question if you want. Please, so, let's hear it. Let's hear it because we don't have much time. Toha says, yeah, Toha says, I am neither in nor out. I am in between. I am not part of anything. I am a shadow of something. 
At best, I am a thing that does not really exist. I am weightless, a speck of time in Gaza, but I will remain where I am. Wow, that is very powerful. And where does that leave you in this, I suppose it's fair to say, holiday season or season of reflection? Mm-hmm. Where, where, where mm-hmm. are you personally in terms of these mm-hmm. catastrophic wars that are occurring mm-hmm. in various places mm-hmm. on Earth today? Yes. Yes, so I am both tuning into the news and tuning out of it. So I make sure I have joy every day and fun in my life and art and I read the newspaper accounts, and I, you know, watch some news. I, I don't do that continually. If I do it too continually, I get sucked back into the hopelessness. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, and I think at this time of year, you know, we're donating to causes and organizations that are making a difference in everything that's going on, and yet there is also the hopelessness of the military-industrial complex and the war machine that all of us need to stand up against. We have been speaking with the Reverend Carol Bull. She is the pastor at the United Church of Ware. She is with us regularly on our segment, Have Faith. We really appreciate you being with us so regularly, Reverend. We really appreciate your insights. And today in particular, we thank you for bringing beauty and magic into our lives. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you, Bill. Find local news and local talk for the Valley. Everyone knows housing is a crisis. It's a crisis not just because people don't have a place to live, and that causes a crisis in humanity, but it's also a crisis for economic development. It's a crisis for the state because people are leaving the state because they can't afford housing. It's a crisis for people who are retired because they can't afford to downsize. It's a crisis for young people because they can't afford an apartment. Where the heart of the Pioneer Valley lives. 101.5 and 1400 WHMP News Information and the Arts. Here's a slice of advice about pizza boxes. It's okay to recycle the entire pizza box as long as it's empty. For a long time, creasy boxes were assumed to cause recycling problems, but a new study proved they don't. It's time to capture the 3 billion pizza boxes used annually in the U.S. Visit RecycleSmartMA.org to learn more about what can and can't get recycled. After you've enjoyed tonight's pizza, turn the box inside out, discard what falls out, and recycle the rest. Brought to you by the Northampton DPW. WHMP Northampton and WRSI HD2 Turner's Fall. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg on WHMP. And welcome to Talk the Talk. I'm Buzz Eisenberg. And I'm Bill Newman. And I'm a little bit hopeful. Brian Adams, we... uh, we're on the cusp of uh, 23 and 24, and we're all thinking about uh, what's the year going to be bringing. Uh, and we have so many things we're concerned about. We have wars and pestilence, and we have a climate crisis. Uh, meanwhile, you brought a little bit of hope right into the studio. I did, and it's a hopeful end of the year and hope, hoping for hope in the, in the new year as well. I do want to do a shout-out to, of all people, President Nixon. 19- what? Yeah, what? A Republican president. 1973, on this day, the Endangered Species Act uh, was signed by a Republican president. Um, 
1973 in the Endangered Species Act, a really radical piece of legislation, which sort of says that um, all living things have an inherent right to exist. And if you read the language, it's really pretty stunning. So I don't want to get too weedy here, but I remember the snail darter. Yes, right? Which, which, yeah, holding up the construction of a dam in right? Tennessee, I believe. And that's, you know, so so it's a, it's a big deal. And uh, there are continued efforts to weaken the Endangered Species Act, and we don't want to see that happen. Um, but we're going to switch from endangered species to climate activism. And today I am delighted to have in the studio with us two youth climate activists, uh, Kyla Silva and Beatrice Williams. They are um, all the way from Connecticut coming up here to bless us with their appearance. Um, both of them are involved in the Western Massachusetts Youth Climate Leadership Program, sponsored or sort of run by Massachusetts Audubon Society. Kylie and Beatrice, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having us here. So it's so hopeful to um, know that as much as us adults have screwed things up, there are youth out there who are trying to make a difference in the world. And let's, uh, let's start with how you got involved and why you're involved in the climate justice and the um, climate chaos, if you will, movement. Uh, Kylie, you want to start? Yeah, no problem. I can start off. So the reason why I got involved in the climate movement was because of my cultural background. I am Latina and I am also white. I'm biracial. And for me, climate is at the center of most Latino problems. I have witnessed since a young age the hurricanes that devastated Puerto Rico and other Latin communities. And it broke my heart, even as a young child. Seeing my community suffer, even though I'm not Puerto Rican, it hurt because I knew even from a young age that the systems in place were going to fail them. They were going to be without power. They were going to be without water. They were going to be without food. And the unavoidable is that there is going to be death and destruction. And it hurt seeing that. And through that, recognizing that this is not only a climate problem, but this is a societal problem, and that overall, through my growth, that this is an environmental justice problem, that's what sparked me to this movement. I've always wanted to help my community, whether that be broader Latino community, or whether that is my local community from my local town. Uh, uh, Beatrice, how about you? What sparked your interest in uh, climate uh, activism and how you are here today? I've always been interested in like how everything works in the world, like regarding the environment and how everything kind of like works together. And with climate change and everything, that's just kind of been messing it up and making it harder for, you know, like animals and plants to kind of thrive. And nature has always been a part of me and my family's life. It's always been very important. Um, and I just, I want to preserve it for like when eventually if I have children and so on and so forth. Um, Beatrice, you are 15 years old. I am. Kylie, you are 16 year old. 16 years old. Do are do other students in your school? You're in Suffield High School in Suffield, Connecticut, right? Do other students share your concern? Is there activism? Are, are you among a, a whole huge army? That's the wrong word. A cadre group of activists at school. 
Yes, so our high school has formed the Suffield Sustainability Council, which is dedicated to just our youth in our high school. So far, we have about, I'd say, 30 to 40 members within our council. In, in the high school? In the high school, yes. That's great. So amongst those, we have students from all different backgrounds because Suffield High School does have CREC programs where we do bus in people from Hartford, which is definitely a more minority-dominated <coughs> community than Suffield, as Suffield is only about 80% white. So it's very heavily dominated, and we don't get a lot of diverse perspectives. But because of this CREC program, we have the ability to bring in different voices from different backgrounds. And a lot of the time, those voices come into conflict in the Suffield Sustainability Council. And we're able to push different initiatives, like trying to promote uh, sustainable initiatives at our school, like composting. We are taking composting K through 12 this year. And we're able to do more environmental justice-related things, like trying to have an equitable education for all of our students about climate literacy and bringing those into different subjects other than science, bringing it into history, into math, into the arts. That's so interesting. So are you taught uh, climate science at school? Yes, we have curriculum implemented, and I myself have implemented curriculum into our district and we at the high school have a course called environmental physics and chemistry that is the beginner level class and that is where all of our climate literacy begins and we learn about different topics such as climate change and why it's happening and the human impacts on climate change and the natural occurring things within our world. One of the things that I've been reading a lot about is the uh, anxiety that youth feel um, well, all of us feel, but I think particularly youth, um, being brought up in the age of climate chaos. And I want to talk a little bit about mental health issues, and I know that um, Mass Audubon and some of the um, conferences and retreats that they've had are really focusing on mental health as well. Um, Beatrice, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you see anxiety among your peers? Are you anxious? Is there this overriding sense of, oh, my golly, what's going on in the world? I'm anxious about it, but definitely not as anxious as other people. I'm, I'm a very optimistic person, so I, I have hope that, you know, sooner, sooner rather than later, we can kind of recognize what we're doing and turn it around. It's great to have that optimism. Buzz? Yeah, be interested. Let me follow up with that. When I think of 15 years old, um, I think of kids, you know, they're a little bit goofy at 15. They, they're worried about dating. They're worried about what they look like. They're worried about, you know, getting braces. They're worried about, that's the kind of thing we think about, but you're worried about really serious world changing events. Is, is, do you think that's a good thing that kids are smart kids like you, activists like you, people that we should be thanking like you, um, are, are more concerned about big grave issues than they are about the kinds of things we want young teenagers to be concerned about goofy things. You feel like you're losing something? Um, it's, de it's definitely like a double-edged sword because um, like, you can feel anxious about it and that can kind of like spiral into like deeper issues which you know obviously at like a young age isn't what you're looking for but it can also spark something where then you can join like a big climate activist group and get more involved and then just like personally I have only been to one meeting so far. I'm brand new to this group, but I'm excited because I can 
start feeling like I could make a change, like a little bit, little by little. Um, so yeah, it, it can drive you to do bigger things. Kyla, how, how do you answer that? Don't you wish you were just having fun instead of worrying about the future of humankind? Climate activism is fun, right? Activists can have a good time. Well, let's hear from <laughs> Kyla. I have to say, I do agree. Activism is fun. And it really is my source of joy, even though it is inherently a very heavy and depressing topic. And it's depressing work to go into. It's a depressing field because it's constantly one after another, another study about how we're inevitably going to die and how we're driving ourselves closer to death with all of the pollution that we're emitting and the actions that we have. But it's also incredibly inspiring because we have youth at the forefront and I see my peers out there doing incredible things. And it's also part of the hope for me comes from seeing adults back youth. It's seeing programs like the Western Mass Youth Climate Leadership Program. It's seeing those organizations being established. It's seeing organizations reaching out to youth and saying, we want you present. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear what you think about this and how we can be better and support you. I mean, that's so exciting. It's a, it, what I'm hearing is that you're 16 years old, 15 years old, uh, but your voice is being heard by adults that they are not dismissive. Oh, what do you know? You're 15 or 16 years old. But you're telling me the opposite, that actually adults are looking to you for inspiration and hope and ideas. Is that correct? Partially. The organizations I affiliate and surround myself with and the people, especially adults that I surround myself with, they're very supportive and they want to hear my voice. That is not to be said that in my life I haven't had adults dismiss me and say that, what do, I, what do I know? I'm just a kid. And I'm incredibly grateful for the fact that I have found adults like that, and especially within this space, because I think that we're seeing a new trend here where there is becoming more room for youth, and it is becoming an initiative that organizations are looking for. They're looking for youth, and they're looking to make a way for younger generations to be a part of the big scale movements that they're making because I feel like adults are realizing that we are their predecessors and we are going to be coming forth and we need to know how to do these things. And getting involved from a young age is a way to spark hope and to spark interest within these fields. And it's a way to keep this work continued. That's so exciting. It's so optimistic to, to know that youth are in the forefront of the, of the climate um, battles. Um, one of my favorite books is Dr. Seuss's The Lorax, but it's a really heavy book. At the end, um, he's, you know, the, the Lorax gives the last truffulous heed to this one young boy who's like 12 years old, and, you know, you have to save us. And I think, oh, my golly, a part of it is, oh, this is great. How, how hopeful, how inspiring. But the other hand is, here is the burden being handed to this one kid, and it's, you know, nothing is going to uh, change unless you do it. And uh, Beatrice, it seems like a lot of pressure on youth, right? I mean, you know, we've we've butchered the environment, we being my generation. I'm, you know, pushing 70 and a bunch of 70-year-olds uh, here, Dan, no offense. Um, but uh, um, uh, it, 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 is it fair to be putting this burden on you as activists? Beatrice, you want to handle that? I think it's fair if... You have a big group of people who are looking to make a change and looking to get involved in it. It's not fair to just put it on, you know, like this one one group of people and be like, you have to do it all. Like, it's, it's all up to you. 
just kind of like a bigger group for with people who are passionate about what they're doing so they can actually get the work done. And it sounds like you are involved in that bigger group. Um, we're talking with Kyla and Beatrice. Uh, they are youth activists. Uh, Kyla is 16 years old. Beatrice is 15, year old, 15 years old. They're youth activists with, with a Western Mass Youth Climate Leadership Program, uh, a uh, um, leadership program sponsored by the Massachusetts Audubon Society. When we come back, I want to talk about um, what keeps you up most at night about climate activism uh, and what we can be doing about it with some specific actions all of us can be taking. I know I'm going to be sleeping a little bit better knowing that there are people like Kyla and Beatrice uh, becoming activists. Exactly. Actually, they are activists right now. Yeah. We're going to be right back. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. Find local news and local talk for the Valley. We are talking about the issue of free community college, but it cannot be on the back of the workforce because it will be completely unworkable for them and certainly actually not fair for students either. If we believe in the promise of community college, which I do with all my heart, we want these institutions to remain excellent. Where the heart of the Pioneer Valley lives. 1015 and 1400 WHMP. Sam the Minuteman is once again hosting his rockin' New Year's Eve party on Saturday, December 30th as the UMass men's basketball team takes on Siena at 1 p.m. Young UMass fans can enjoy poster making on the concourse, a photo booth, a halftime ball drop, and post-game layups on the court. Youth tickets for the game are just five bucks. Bring in the new year a day early with Massachusetts men's basketball by visiting umassathletics.com slash tickets. Go you! When you're going through a tough time and want to talk with someone, talk with an experienced mental health care provider at ServiceNet. Talk therapy, medication management, and other treatment options. ServiceNet therapists and our psychiatry team work together to help you feel better. Having services all in one place can make a world of difference. At ServiceNet, we have your back. Call ServiceNet at 584-6855. The care you need is right here all in one place at ServiceNet. Whatever the season, something fun is happening at the Hitchcock Center for the Environment. From home energy efficiency workshops to birding classes and nature walks, we have hands-on activities happening all year long. Whether you're 2 or 92, the Hitchcock Center has an opportunity for you to connect with our natural world. Come visit us at our new location, the Hitchcock Center, 845 West Street in Amherst. For more information, visit HitchcockCenter.org. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And we are back with Brian Adams, Science and Sustainability. And Brian has with him two climate activists from Mass Audubon's Youth Climate Activists and I'm just thrilled to have Beatrice and Kyla here in the studio, Brian. I am too. You know, to have a 15-year-old and a 16-year-old so articulate and so passionate and so committed to climate science and to climate activism is is thrilling for all of us old folks and young folks as well. Um, before the break, we were talking about what what keeps you up at night uh, and around climate issues. A lot of things to keep us up at night these days. Ah! Uh, but climate chaos is certainly one of them. And what are some of the specific actions you're taking in your 
activism at your school or in your community um, and what you think others should be taking. So um, let's start with you, Kyla. What keeps you up at night and what are you doing about it? Yeah, so what keeps me up at night personally would have to be more environmental justice issues. That's more of my forefront. And that's where I like to devote most of my action to in this field. And it's really thinking about my community. It's thinking about how the marginalized groups in my community are impacted. What can I do to help them? What can I do to improve quality of life? What can I do to fix these issues and to bring awareness to this? Because education is a big part of my personal platform, and it's a big part of how I see us moving forward in the future, especially thinking about in a school setting or an educational setting in general, you have to think majority of the time. You have to think about education. What can we implement into curriculum that is going to be longstanding and that is going to make a great impact? And that also ties into the fact of the current initiatives that we have going on at Suffield High School. And currently, I am working personally with our town's Suffield uh, Suffield. Sustainable Suffield, <laughs> Sustainable Suffield group, and that is our schools, our, our town's just big sustainability group. Since we have our high school group, Suffield Sustainability Council, they want to partner with us, and they want to try and promote solar within our town. As of right now, we have a few residents who do have solar on their homes, but our town currently really wants to push the initiative of getting solar on most of if not all, houses in Suffield. And they also want to start this initiative by providing education to the residents because a lot of our residents in our town, we have a very conservative town, and they are very apprehensive to change and to initiatives like solar because they are like, oh, it's going to damage my roof. This isn't really going to do anything. We're creating more these panels are creating more pollution going into landfills, and they're just finding ways to resist against it. And what the town group wants to do is partner with our high school group, and they want to try and implement solar panels on our high school and say, here, look, our high school can do it, a big institution. And if they can do it, then you can do it. Brian, I just want to point out that is so – it's one thing to have a 16-year-old talking about the impact of climate, but to talk about environmental justice – and to be aware that there's a disproportionate impact of uh, our deteriorating climate uh, on poorer communities and marginalized communities. That's a level of nuance and sophistication that's really impressive, Kyla, at your age. Yeah, it really is. And this intersectionality between uh, climate and, uh, and justice and environmental degradation affecting marginalized communities to such an overextent, it's, and, and you're articulating that very well, Kyla, so thank you for doing that. So solar on, on your high school, trying to promote um, putting solar up, getting us off fossil fuels by understanding the impact of renewable energy. Um, Beatrice, how about you? What keeps you up at night, and what, do you, what activities are you planning to, to do about that? Um, <clears throat> what keeps me up at night is more of like a personal level on, like I said before, I'm new to this, I'm new to the group, to, to kind of like the whole gist of everything. So I think a lot about, like, what can I do to, like, in a personal level on, like, a family basis, like, what can I tell my friends to tell their families to do? Like, is that, like, not getting as much takeout? Is that, um, like, bringing your own bags to the grocery store? Or, and just, like, little things like that. Um, and the little things add up to make a huge difference. Let's yeah. talk about the takeout stuff. Um, Kylo, um, you were talking about working with restaurants to do what exactly? 
Yes. So currently the Suffield Sustainability Council, which again is our high school group, we are trying to reach into our town and we are trying to implement more sustainable practices within our local businesses. Uh, To start with, we are targeting our local restaurants because we have about five or six within our town. And we are trying to make sure that they have more sustainable practices in specifically regards to their takeout. And there is a lot of plastic in takeout. There's the styrofoam boxes and sometimes they switch over to plastic, which is slightly better, but ultimately not the goal. And there's those plastic utensils, which they put inside the takeout boxes. And it's trying to find solutions to that that are more sustainable and even more ethically sourced because it's such a big polluter. And our town, especially, I would say, definitely depends on those five or six local restaurants in order to feed people because a lot of the time people are going out to restaurants. If you just drive through our town after around five or six o'clock, it's packed. There's tons of traffic because people are going out to eat or people are going and picking up food because they don't have the time to go home and make a dinner for everyone. So we think that is really important to be targeting this because we have so much land pollution as is and our local landfill actually is in Hartford and it, it has a nickname, I don't know if anyone else calls it this, but Mount Trashmore, we call it, because it's a huge, huge, huge mountain of trash, and they used to burn it, and they used to emit even more fossil fuels, and between that and the land pollution, we want to stop as much pollution as possible, whether it's land or fossil fuels from happening, because if we can stop the takeout from being things that don't decompose and that are going to stay on our planet forever, then we're ultimately affecting how much air pollution that there is going to be. You know, I'd love to, I'd love to get takeout, but I feel so guilty because a lot of the stuff just can't be recycled. We had on a few weeks ago, remember the Solid Waste Land Coordinator of Franklin County, talking about um, trash. They are being um, trucked, by, um, trucked to Springfield, bailed, and then by railroad sent to South Carolina to the landfill because there's no talk land- about a carbon footprint. Oh my golly! Because there's no landfills here in Western Mass, and they're not and they're not burning things as well. So, are the restaurants uh, frustrated with this move against takeout, where they rely on it for income? Currently, we have not approached the restaurants yet. We're currently building our background and our portfolio on the restaurants. So we've been essentially doing research so far. And we plan after the break, um, probably around January, February-ish, to start moving to the restaurants and approaching them and saying, hey, would you be willing to do this? Because ultimately, we can't force them to do anything unless we get backing from our town for that. And so without that, it's more so presenting them with a cost-benefit analysis and saying, hey, you will benefit from this and you will help our earth at the same time. I have a suggestion for sustainable Suffield, which is when you approach the restaurants, part of your project should involve, hey, let's support our local restaurants. Go out to eat, but don't do as much takeout. Yeah. Or have the takeout be in sustainable stuff like paper. And you can recycle pizza boxes and you can recycle, you know, anything that's put into, almost anything that's put into paper. Wooden chopsticks, not plastic be, chopsticks. Or no chopsticks. No oh, chopsticks? Oh, you just use your hands? Just use your hands. There right. we go. Right. That's Brian Adams No utensils at all. Just right. a trough. <laughs> Who even needs the trough? Just throw the food on the floor. <laughs> no, we're joking about something that is, um, that is very, very serious. Um, 
let's get back to this question, Buzz, that you asked. Who is your audience um, when you're doing stuff? I mean, who, who are you trying to reach? Beatrice, you want to talk about that? I feel like um, we're trying to reach the, so obviously our town, but then on with the Mass Audubon partnership, we're also trying to reach more youth, get them more involved, and then hopefully, you know, as they grow up, they'll spread the news and more jobs will open up regarding climate change and climate activism. And then that'll lead to just a, like a greener, safer planet for everybody. But Beatrice, like, like Brian Adams, I loved the Lorax and read it to our children growing up. And, and one of the, the character was the Wunsler. He lived up in, in, in uh, lived alone, and he's the one who turns the forest, the truffula forest, into a place to make something we don't need, a need to wear, and that's what destroyed all the trees. I'm wondering whether you want to appeal to the Wunslers, the ones who actually are creating uh, the, the uh, other things that degrade our, our environment, or the rest of us who need to understand more about the role of takeout in in degrade, degradation of the environment and the like. I'm wondering which audience, is it the ones who produce, I guess, all of us? Is that the answer? Yeah, or the, the sm not the ones, because what I'm trying to say is that like there's power in the masses and that once every the majority of people are able to switch over and make more sustainable decisions, then the onesler can realize, oh, like, this is what we need to do now, and then they'll make it the right decision. I think that's really true, that the climate deniers out there are going to be climate deniers until there was such an overwhelming uh, voice from youth, from adults, from uh, all of us saying, no, this, we cannot continue uh, to be doing what we are doing. We've been talking with uh, Kyla Silva and Beatrice Williams. They are youth climate uh, activists with the Youth Climate Leadership Program in Western Mass with Massachusetts Audubon, Audubon Society giving us hope in this age of despair that yes, we can do something, yes, we can solve our problems, and yes, youth um, are more involved than just dating, right? And, <laughs> and Beatrice and Kyla, we, we say to each other, Happy New Year, and we make New Year's resolutions. Well, I know I'm going to have you too and your mission in mind when I say to people, let's have a good year and let's make a resolution or two of how we're going to treat the environment we all rely on. Brian, thank you. Beatrice, thank you. Kyla, thank you. We're going to be back with the Valley Jazz Voices right after this. Boys and girls onto the beaches. Come on, come on, tell you my secrets. I'm kinda like a prettier Jesus. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Holyoke Superintendent and State-Appointed Receiver Anthony Soto is calling for a phased approach to returning the school district to local control. After poor graduation rates and low standardized test scores led the state to take over the district eight years ago, critics have said that little has been done that could not have been accomplished by local leaders given adequate resources. According to the Gazette, graduation rates have increased by nearly 15 points since receivership began. Mayor Josh Garcia has expressed support for ending the state receivership. Has the state done anything different than what we could have done here locally to improve outcomes 
No. And, and that's currently the debate at a lot of tables today. In September, the school committee also voted unanimously to petition the state to return the district to local control. Hampshire probate and family court register Michael J. Carey is retiring January 16th. Carey, who has served for 11 years, announced plans to step down this week in the middle of his second six-year term overseeing the court. Carey was first elected as register in a special election in 2012 to fill a vacancy left when David Sullivan, the previous register, won election as Northwestern District Attorney. Kerry has since been re-elected to six-year terms in 2014 and 2020. Changes are coming in 2024 to the hunting regulations. Archery season for deer and wild turkey will be opening two weeks earlier in Western Mass, aligning the season with the rest of the state. Massachusetts has also joined the Wildlife Violators Compact, which automatically suspends a Massachusetts hunting license if it has already been suspended in another state within the compact. For today, it'll be cloudy with showers, mild highs 46 to 50. Tonight, cloudy chance for showers, areas of patchy fog, overnight lows 36 to 40. And they'll look for Friday, cloudy chance for showers, highs in the low to mid 40s. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Adam Stremko on 101.5 WHMP. Sunday mornings on WHMP means polka. Celebrate the Valley's proud Polish heritage with Polka Carousel. Every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, TZ brings his award-winning Polka Carousel to the airwaves of the Valley. Playing the Polka Classics and the latest Polka Hits. There are Polka Hits? It's Polka Carousel every Sunday morning from 8 till noon on 101.5, 1400 WHMP. Celebrating? Don't just pop any old pour. Come to Provisions for unique champagnes from small organic farmers like J.M. Select and La Herte Frere. Female producers Marie Croton, Ploie Jacquemart, plus Spanish Cava, Italian Prosecco, and Fizzy Reds. Discover the sparkling wonders of France, Spain, and Italy at Provisions. Each beautifully crafted, intriguing, and delicious. Provisions. Busy, sparkly, fun. In the Mill District, North Amherst, at the foot of Crafts Avenue in downtown Northampton, and at the Longmeadow Shops. Have you heard about concierge medicine? It's a different way to do healthcare. A complete wellness package, which includes greater access to your doctor and more personalized care for an annual membership fee. Hi, I'm Dr. Kate Atkinson. I'm proud of the excellent care that Atkinson Family Practice has provided for 15 years and counting. In addition to our main practice, we're excited to begin offering concierge medicine. Is concierge right for you? Learn more at atkinsonfamilypractice.com slash concierge. Hello, this is Patrick Kaling, Sheriff of Hampshire County. This year, my office received the prestigious Fatherhood Award from the Children's Trust, a state child abuse prevention agency, for our work with the Nurturing Fathers program. We are proud of our partnership with the Children's Trust and firmly believe that strong, safe families help build strong, safe communities. If you're interested in joining our award-winning team, visit our website, HampshireSheriffs.com, submit an application online, or call and ask for our HR department. You know, Hanukkah's over, Christmas is over. 
Kwanzaa is not over, but the gifts keep coming. Ruth Griggs, you brought another (laughs) gift for us today. Oh, have I ever. And it's going to gift us into the new year, which is kind of where we have our focus at this point. So I'm thrilled to welcome to the studio Christine LaBelle, who is the co-founder of the Lindy League of Western Mass, of which we are going to find out much more about. And my bud, Jeff Olmsted, who is composer, arranger, singer, musician, and the director of Valley Jazz Voices, of which I am a member. So welcome both of you to the studio today. Thank you. Good to be here. (laughs) And I'm going to just start right in with Christine, because I want to make sure that everybody knows what Lindy League of Western Mass is and has an opportunity to maybe check you guys out. Great. Well, thank you very much. Um, I'm thrilled to be here, and I'm happy to um, talk a little bit about the Lindy League. We are a group, a community group, all volunteer, actually, that uh, celebrates the love of jazz and swing jazz um, dancing in the Valley, and we have weekly dances and monthly dances in which we welcome people to come learn um, and dance with us. Um, And we work with local area bands as well uh, for live music events. That's exciting. That is really, so that's really, the thing to be doing right around this time of year is lots of dancing, for sure. So, so where, where do you dance? Where are you located? How can, how can people, like, come to a dance? Like, what does that mean? Well, uh, we have a weekly dance every Tuesday, right off uh, I-91, um, at the Northampton Bowling Alley, 7 o'clock, beginning dance lesson, and then a dance afterwards with DJ music. Um, and then twice a month we have dances in, um, with live bands in Greenfield and in Montague. You can find us in all of our events um, at our Facebook page. We're called the Lindy League of Western Massachusetts. Um, and you, if, to get there most quickly, just type in www.lindyleague.org, and it'll take you directly to our Facebook page. Okay, Christine LaBelle, what about those of us who literally have two left feet? Well, you just took the words <laughs> right out of my mouth. Can you just show up with we, your two left feet and get onto the dance floor? You absolutely can, and I want to welcome you to do so. We <laughs> are thrilled to have newcomers and beginners at our dances. Um, we do teach a beginning lesson every week. Um, and it is the same sort of thing every week, so you can keep coming back, work on the things that you didn't quite get the first time around. Um, it's a very welcoming community. We try to be um, open to all comers. And I'm just warning you, when I come, you better wear uh, steel-toed boots. <laughs> I'm going to step on your feet. We are of the philosophy everybody can learn to swing dance. <laughs> and do you, do you have to come with a partner? Is that a good idea to come with a partner? Thanks for that question. No, I should mention, no, you do not have to come with a partner. We In class, we do rotate through so everybody gets an opportunity to dance with everybody else. You do not have to rotate, but if you do not want to rotate, you do have to bring a partner. That's really cool. So, like, I had not really heard of the Lindy League of Western Massachusetts until last year, when you all showed up at the Northampton Jazz Festival in Pulaski Park, we had a wonderful band there of a bunch of Canadian um, musicians. And suddenly there were like all these dancers. And I heard it was the Lindy League of Western Mass. And then you came back and led a, 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 dance, a dance class uh, in Pulaski Park this year. And now 
you are going to be teaming up with Valley Jazz Voices, which is so cool, to have the Winter Jazz Ball in January. Jeff, what is that all about? The Jazz Ball is going to be January 13th at the um, Elks in Florence, Mass. And uh, we will have a concert by Valley Jazz Voices. And we're going to have dinner. And then we're going to have dance lesson and dancing with the Lindy League, uh, accompanied by the Jim Argiro uh, Quintet. Jim wow. is the accompanist for Valley Jazz Voices, and he also has a, uh, a quintet that specializes in the um, music of George Shearing, which is a very sophisticated, beautiful-sounding um, uh, jazz sound that features vibraphone and guitar, so it's a little bit unusual uh, for a jazz band, and it's, it's going to be great. We're going to have some of our singers are going to guest with that group also and sing some solos, and we are going to be doing pretty much the same set that we're doing on first night, also coming up. Um, Valley Jazz Voices will be at uh, Theater 14 at Smith College. That's a new space for us, so we're kind of excited to be in a new, um, uh, new place for first night, which has been kind of the focus of our fall season for the last several years. So, at, um, at what time, Jeff Holmes? 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Theater 14. Uh, Got to walk up the hill a little bit if you're having fun downtown, but we hope we'll have uh, lots of people come in. Well, I want to get back to the jazz ball because that's just, that's a, a new event. It's a unique event. I think it's a fabulous collaboration between singers and, you know, dancers and dance instructors and an amazing, amazing jazz band. I mean, Jim Argiro, um, is, as, as we all know in this room, it has a, a very storied, uh, history in the jazz world and in the musician world, and he is an incredible arranger, composer, um, and and player, and has led you know bands for for years. Um, so he is he is really a a, a, a bit of a local superstar who's going to be leading this band. And how much fun is it going to be to to dance to that? <laughs> Do oh, you think, think Christine? Be, I think it'll be terrific. I'm really looking forward to it and getting the whole crew that's there out on the floor. Yeah. Well, does, I don't know whether to ask this of Jeff or of Christine. Will it all be swing music that the Valley Jazz Voices are going to be singing? Uh, I wouldn't say it's dancers? exactly swing. Uh, technically, some of some of it is. Um, we do music from the Great American Songbook, some of which is arranged kind of in a uh, swingy style. And for folks who know jazz, we also do music with Latin grooves. Um, but, so we'll um, have like Bob, we'll have Brazilian, we'll have... Yes, we will, in fact, have a variety of... Right, um, we will have a variety. We sing a variety of, of tunes, and um, we're actually about 30 members strong at this point. Um, coming out of COVID, we've really, we've really hit our stride, and I think that we are certainly the largest jazz ensemble in Western Mass, and perhaps the only at this point. So, it's really a, um, a unique opportunity to come and listen to Valley Jazz Voices, and the dinner is being um, catered by Seth Myers. So, it's going to be really, really good food, and we're hoping that, you know, in the middle of January, it's going to be something that's going to, you know, warm warm our spirits wonderfully when when we all get out there. But but Jeff, tell us a little. A little bit more about a couple of the tunes before we play one of your tunes. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna play Bliss City, but tell us a little bit about the arranging and the composing that you do for Valley Jazz Voices. 
I do uh, several arrangements in uh, most of our concerts, uh, including this one coming up, where we're also doing some arrangements by um, uh, Jim Argyro. And we also buy arrangements. Um, and just to say a little more about that, I do think we are the only group in Western Massachusetts that does um, uh, choral-style jazz singing. So we are singing in the traditional SATB, sopranos, altos, tenors, and basses. Don't be over-intimidated by that. It's a group that uh, if you show up and uh, decide that you want to sing this music, you're in the group. So it is, um, it's a non-auditioned uh, community chorus singing of fairly sophisticated music. So, um, uh, and my interest in arranging, I've just always loved vocal arranging in you know, every kind of context uh, and style. So this gives me a chance to um, tell people what to do and they do it. <laughs> Bruce, can we hear a taste before we We are. We're going to hear a taste of Jeff Olmsted's Bliss City, which we did during COVID virtually. Um, So take a listen. Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. In a world of chaos, Armstrong and Getty Show cuts through the fake news of the day and gets straight to the common sense heart of the burning issues listeners really care about. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. Be informed and involved. Listen to Armstrong and Getty weekdays from 6 to 9 p.m. right here on 101.5 and 1400 WHMP. News, information, and the arts. What's cooking at River Valley Co-op? Here's avid eater, grocery shopper, and co-op member, Bill Newman. The co-op kitchen is always cooking. Get ready to go meals, sandwiches, salads, pizza, burritos. Order sandwich platters or anything platters for lunchtime, party time, or any time. You like to bake? The co-op has all your baking essentials, like ground up flour and grains, stone milled in Holyoke. Put a little lovin' in the oven, bread and brownies, cakes and cookies. Let your creative inspiration flow. River Valley Co-op, wild about local. Everyone is welcome. Get takeout, save 30%. Get candles or hit the links, save 30%. Dog grooming, outdoor recreation, burritos, save 30%. The Shop 30 store, full value gift certificates to local restaurants and merchants, plus tickets and events. Just click, print, and save 30% on the stuff you were going to buy anyway. The Shop 30 store, open right now at whmp.com. You're all invited to Northampton's most beloved family-friendly event, First Night Northampton, Sunday, December 31st, over 20 venues full of music, circus arts, jugglers, puppets, hundreds of performances. One button opens every door. For more info and where to buy buttons, visit firstnightnorthampton.org.
you're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. Well, what could be better this time of year than singing and dancing? I just want to remind people, first night, Northampton 2024 is upon us. There'll be 12 hours of performances, music, circus arts, puppets, jugglers, yo-yo, and much more. There's stuff for kids and families. There's stuff for adults. Um, it's one pass opens a whole lot of doors. So be there. And including uh, who's going to be performing on that night is, of course, Valley Jazz Voices. This uh, precious. Yes, we are. We we we've actually sung at first night several for several years. It's it seems to be a we're really honored that it's a really regular gig for us. And this year, Valley Jazz Voices is going to be moving its location up to the Menton Hall Performing Arts Center, which is on Green Street at Smith College. It's right at the very end of Green Street, um, and off to your left. And it's going to be a beautiful place to perform, really lovely acoustics, which we're excited about. And we're performing at 7 p.m., which is a, a little earlier than we normally do. But we've got a, a really a really strong uh, group of singers this year, So, and, and a wonderful jazz trio. We always sing with a jazz trio, so, so check it out at 7 p.m. Um, and we're going to play a, a little clip of one of Jeff Olmsted's originals, who is in our studio with us today, original arrangements um, of a very old song. So we'll get a to that. A very old song. <laughs> a very old song. Old. It's new, but, but it's old. But we want to we just um, turn um, uh, some more attention to the swing dancing that Christine LaBelle um, leads at the Lindy League of Western Mass. And... You know, we were talking a little bit before the show of, you know, the fact that you all have been in existence for, what, 20 plus years? Almost 20 years. Um, I think we start actually 20 years. Uh, 2003 was about when we started. Um, I think we've had a revitalization post-COVID in part because people are looking for connection. Um, Our tagline is really learn, dance, and connect. um, And we do that pretty well because people come out you can meet each other you can um dance with each other it's a it's a different way of getting to know people and and is it like a membership club or what what kind of organization is it do you do you play pay dues or do you just show up or yeah just show up um it's ten dollars for the whole evening you get the dance lesson and two hours of dj dance music um on our regular week uh, our regular weekly tuesday nights um and for the two um, events we do with live bands, it's $20, but you get live musicians. Um, and, and who are those bands? Um, we alternate with the Butterfly Swing Band and the O-Tones, um, led by Mary Witt. Those are great bands. Those, those are really good bands. Yeah. those they are. Those are. And this is at the Spare Time, the bowling alley? That's correct. Uh, the Northampton Spare Time Bowling Alley. Um, we uh, dance in the grill area, the, the bar and grill The city sports grill. The c- city sports grill. We call it city sports swing. <laughs> but then when you have the live musicians, the Butterfly Swing Band and the O-Tones, is that in Northampton also or somewhere else? Um, that is in on um, last Sundays of the month. It's in Greenfield at Hawks and Reed Performing Arts Center. And on third Friday nights, it's at the Montague Common Hall in Montague. The Montague dance is the Butterfly Swing Band exclusively, and the Greenfield dance alternates between Butterfly Swing and the O-Tones. So you're all up and down the valley. 
We try. That's 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 just what Valley Jazz Voices is. We have people that come from Brattleboro, Vermont, all the way down to Longmeadow, Massachusetts, and we love that fact. And and I just want to remind folks that that the that the um, Lindy League of Western Mass and Valley Jazz Voices are collaborating on the Winter Jazz Ball, which is happening on January thirteenth, which is a Friday, uh, Saturday, um, at the Elks Club in Florence, right there on Spring Street. And if you want to get a ticket for this, which includes dining and dancing and music and merrymaking, um, you just go to valleyjazzvoices.org. Very simple, valleyjazzvoices.org, or look at us on our Facebook page, Valley Jazz Voices, and you can get a ticket to the to the Winter Jazz Ball. Ruth, I have a question for Jeff Olmstead. What is it? What's the source of your passion to make it a community thing? That singing. I mean, you're so good, and so many people are so talented, and some of us aren't. But you try to make people who aren't necessarily singers or dancers, in the case of Lindy League. Um, of those of us that are really schlumps, don't have great voices and can't dance well. What's your passion? Well, uh, there's an African proverb that says something like, um, uh, you know, if you can walk, you can dance, uh, and if you can talk, you can sing. And I I think there's a lot of um, wisdom in that. Of course, there's places for expertise in both of those areas, but I really do think that human beings uh, are, are, are made to sing, and they're made to dance. So um, uh, that's why I want to support that, and that's why I've worked with um, non-professionals as well as professionals. I've worked a lot with, um, you know, infants and toddlers as well, because uh, I want uh, everybody to step into their birthright of being able to sing and dance. And did, did you hear that? My feet. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Christine, you may, you may see this with dancing like I see it and Jeff sees it with singing. And that's that you may step on that dance floor or you may open that score of music and think like, there is no way I am ever going to accomplish this. This music is way too hard. My feet have to move too fast. And before you know it, your body is just doing it. And, you know, I mean, yes, it takes practice. There's no question about it. But, you know, if you stick to it and go over that music or go over those steps, in a, in a month or two, you, are, you have it down. And that, to me, is the magic of, 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 of doing what you said that African proverb talked about, because it really does happen. That's part of it. And the other part of it is we're doing these things together, that it's a... Uh, the, the community and the relationships and the kind of like instant relationships you have with people that you're singing or dancing with are, you know, need, need support. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, Thanks. you know, again, you know, swing dance has been around an awfully long time. And I, I think of the joy of seeing older people swing dance. I mean, with the Northampton Jazz Workshop, we would have these older folks coming in and swing dancing to the music. And it, it just warmed my heart because it was just something that everyone did back in the day. But I love the fact that you're keeping it alive now. Thank you so much. It's pure joy. And, and I invite people to come join us with that. It's just an amazing thing. Is and Lindy I, still called Lindy Hop? It is still called Lindy Hop. There are different types of swing dance, and Lindy Hop is considered one of the original American swing dance it's the, from which others were born. So, so. one more time, uh, tell us, Christine LaBelle, how can people connect with the Lindy League of Western Mass? You can go to www.lindyleague.org. It'll take you to our Facebook page because that's where we put all of our events and information. 
Right. And it's, it's just, it's such a magical thing to see. I'm sure you have on your dance floor young people, older people, people of all generations, as we do with singing as well. So we're going we're gonna to go out um, with just a little bit of um, a, a feeling of the new, old, new year with Jeff Olmsted's arrangement of New Old Lang Syne. And get your buttons for first night, and you can hear Valley voices, Valley Jazz voices uh, live and in color. Happy New Year from Valley Jazz Voices. Maybe this is the year you'll join Valley Jazz Voices. Tom Hartman here. Be sure to join me noon to three Eastern time, Monday through Friday, right here on the Tom Hartman program. Occupying the media three hours a day, five days a week for We the People. On 101.5 and 1400. Join me noon to three Eastern time, Monday through Friday, right here on the Tom Hartman program. WHMP. Hi, this is Tom from 4-H. What will the next 100 years look like for today's youth? According to the 4-H members of Hampshire counties, there are no limits. Youth, supported by adult 4-H club leaders, are being prepared to take on any role they can imagine. Astronaut, director, hockey player, surgeon, engineer, and CEO. These are just some of the roles that a recent survey shows that our 4-Hers not only dream about, but are preparing for. Join the 4-H team. Call me, Tom, at 413 413- Five four five zero six one one. WHMP Northampton and WRSI HD2 Turner's Falls. WHMP.com on North.